And now, and now, and now, item, 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 item with Tommy Lee. Item with Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee. Item. I'm Tommy Lee, and this is the Item Podcast, my random record button for whatever's in my head at any given time. And today, the second installment of the Item subseries titled Why We Needed. I do love history stories, especially I love the weird history stories that have become overlooked. And today's subject is both weird and overlooked, especially by modern music fans. So here's Why We Needed the Mothers of Invention, item number 111. Buckle up, kids, pull up a piano bench, and I'll tell you the tale of a mad genius named Frank and why his work is so important and why you owe it to yourself to seek some of it out. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Hello, Americans. He's been sick. I discovered Frank Zappa in 1985 when he testified during the PMRC Senate hearings that were engineered by Tipper Gore and her bouffant-encrusted thought police, as Jello Biafra brilliantly called them. I can actually thank the Parents Music Resource Center for helping me discover a lot of my favorite artists, because anyone stupid enough to consider John Denver a bad influence had to be crafting a map to the music that I needed to be listening to, even if unintentionally. Prince, Frank Zappa, countless rock and punk and metal bands, all of them became a part of my life because elements of the government were convinced by their wives that I shouldn't be allowed to listen to them. I was 15. Anyway, what began as a simple thumbing of my nose to authority turned into discovering some music that struck a serious chord with me. No pun intended. Frank Zappa's testimony was a two-by-four upside the heads of that panel, which opened up with a refresher on the First Amendment and accused the proposed legislation of treating dandruff with decapitation. Nice words. One thing that impressed me about Frank Zappa was that he didn't just hurl insults at the ridiculous nature of the PMRC hearing proceedings. He actually proposed a solution to the question in the form of printing the lyrics and making them readily available. And he recognized both sides of the argument, but he stated that he was concerned about the tactics involved in the process. Like I was with Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, I was impressed with how reasonable and educated Zappa's comments were. He didn't even rise to the bait when some idiot senator called him uneducated. So I started looking for his stuff. And within a couple of years, I had obtained three of his Ryko Disc reissues, but none of them dipped back to his earliest work. And that's where we begin our story. I was an adult by the time I discovered the Mothers of Invention, Frank's band from the late 60s and early 70s. When I finally heard the Mothers, I heard the musical equivalent of the first creature that crawled out of the sea and took a step on dry land. I was a fan of his later work, even with the sexually aggressive lyrics and the Bizarre atonal dissonance that would crop up now and then. I was a fan of dissonance. Zappa's stuff was a mixture of deep, silly, offensive, and meaningful, and it was sprinkled all over the work that the Mothers of Invention put out. Beyond that, though, the early work from the mid to late 60s from the band was a straight psychedelic art form all its own. It wasn't jazz, it wasn't the blues, it wasn't classical, it wasn't experimental, it wasn't rock, and yet somehow it was also all of those things simultaneously. So here's the thought. Just about every really serious, really good musician that I've ever interviewed or ever read an interview of or heard an interview of, they're all Frank Zappa and the Mothers fans. 
The mothers challenge your ear and your brain, which is probably a big reason why. Like the 19th and 20th century classical and avant-garde composers that he idolized, Frank Zappa was not afraid to dip into chromatic, atonal phrases that brought alternative phrasing methods to the music. They sound like wrong notes, but they make you think, and they make you push yourself to pay attention to what's going on. The best comparison that I can make from recent pop culture is the relationship that Ray Charles had with the work of atonal jazz pianist Art Tatum. You might remember that scene from the first half hour of the Ray movie when Ray Charles gets to Los Angeles in 1950. First thing he hears in the nightclub when he arrives is Art Tatum playing the piano and he recognizes him by sound when he walks in. Anyway, Zappa's experiments came to a dramatic head with the We're Only In It For The Money album, which explores how tight a musical piece can be while still feeling loose and interesting at the same time. In fact, Al Gore, who was one of the chairmen of the uh, PMRC hearings, was a fan of both the band and that album. On We're Only In It For The Money, as well as his own Lumpy Gravy LP of the year before, Zappa borrowed themes from composers who had come before him, both classical and blues, because he had an extensive library of each style that he was deeply devoted to. He was drawn to the obscure composers and players rather than the ones that were better known. The more the music made him think, the more it helped to shape and mold his own musical output. Zappa and the mothers were steeped in rhythm, Frank being a drummer at heart. His love of all things percussion can be found throughout his work. Zappa was also a fierce taskmaster who was hard to work for, a man who understood how to get the fiercest timbre out of an ensemble. A lot of people came in and out of the Mothers of Invention lineups. He also wasn't afraid to let things go off the rails while they were performing live on stage, often inviting audience members to participate in the sound, whether they were musicians or not. Everything had its place in his work. Everything had a contribution to the finished piece. Without deviation from the norms, Apple once said, progress is not possible. It was possible with drumsticks or a piano a guitar or a baton. It's tragic that Zappa is not taken seriously as a composer because his work was so deeply entrenched in rock and roll and atonality. Some of his classical pieces, despite his best efforts to not be grouped in with that crowd, are masterpieces, masterpieces of progressive music. Frank Zappa was the kind of guy who did the math to make his weird pieces and time signatures work. But at his core, Frank just wanted to rock, and the Mothers of Invention gave him that outlet. And like all great rock, his layer of bedrock was the rhythm and blues. Now, much has been made of the freakout list over the years. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a list of more than 100 musical names that established the blueprint for what was to come in his music. That list appeared in the liner notes of the first LP from the Mothers, Freakout, in 1966. And it was a list of his main influences, including the avant-garde classical composers that he drew his atonal inspiration from, as well as some of the more straight-laced musicians. This is a song about vegetables that keep you regular. They're real good for you. Frank and the Mothers could wail on the blues because Frank knew it cold. He viewed the blues of the early 20th century, the classical pieces of 100 years earlier, and the doo-wop acts of his childhood equally. When he constructed the Mothers, who were named, by the way, on Mother's Day of 1964, he made sure that they were capable of not only keeping up with his exhausting pieces, but also of harmonizing with each other with barbershop quartet-like precision. Rah, 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 rah. There will come a time when everybody who is lonely will be free to sing and dance and love. 
dance and love. Okay, so why specifically should you listen to Zappa and the Mothers? Well, in my opinion, everyone, no matter what their politics, should hear Trouble Every Day, the song, at least once. It is a genius commentary on the Watts riots. He would also address societal issues in plastic people, who needs the Peace Corps, who are the brain police, brown shoes don't make it, songs like that. Those songs also poked society with a stick, especially poking the counterculture that he was widely considered to be a part of. He pushed the boundaries of race, he pushed the boundaries of music, and he did this even as he clung to very masculine and chauvinistic ideals in many of his later lyrics. Zappa didn't stop at exalting the bigger, more well-known R&B names like the Yardbirds, Beatles, and Stones had done. As I said, he went deeper with his love of the genre and curated a collection of obscure artists whose work spoke to him while he was younger, and he made that work more accessible to the rest of us. He cultivated an incredible collection of R&B records, by the way, that he kept safe and sacred for his entire life, which ended far too soon, because cancer sucks. But again, the blues were just part of the story. Zappa took a little bit from every style of music that he loved, and he loved a lot, and he stirred it into what the mothers put on each album. And then he hammered it into shape with that band, forcing square pegs to fit into round holes all the time. One reason why you should give Zappa's work its due is a forgotten fact about him. He flat out shreds on the guitar. Like Prince, who I often compare him to, who is more remembered for his songwriting and his overall talents, Frank Zappa was also an incendiary guitarist. He surrounded himself with people who were exceptional musicians, and he was always determined to be the alpha. If he couldn't place his own performance on that kind of a level, how could he possibly have the credibility, he figured, to demand the level of dedication necessary for his musicians to pull off his complex creations? So the man was devoted to his craft. As far as the albums themselves go, you can't go wrong with anything that's attributed to the mothers of invention. His solo stuff speaks for itself, the things recorded after 1975 and even before. But the body of work from that first decade with the mothers is a snapshot of contradictions, confusion, and a challenge for your mind. I personally recommend Freak Out, We're Only In It For The Money, and the solo album, Lumpy Gravy. It's amazing to think that the last album of those three, again, not an actual mother's release, was written and arranged in a week and a half. And if it were released next year instead of 50 years ago, Lumpy Gravy would still be something that was ahead of its time. But it's not a casual listen like any Zappa or Mother's album. It's music that challenges what you think, what you expect, and what you know. And like sarcasm or a good joke, not everyone gets it. And that's fine. If you listen to The Mothers and only hear noise with a few songs mixed into it, there's nothing wrong with that opinion. But you do owe it to yourself to experience the production of those albums because they defy definition without experiencing them for yourself. It's a lot like Public Enemy in that way. Whether you like or hate rap, those albums were really well put together and they're worth listening to at least once just to hear the work that went into them. The Mothers Make You Think... They make you question what you know about music, and they've done that for much of the other music that you love, too, because chances are the people who made it learned a thing or two from listening to the Mothers of Invention. Rock, punk, metal, R&B, soul, everybody can draw a line that intersects with the Mothers and their desire to wrestle a new order out of chaos. The man with a thousand influences has influenced thousands in return. And that, if nothing else, is why we needed the Mothers of Invention. Rock! 
This has been the Item Podcast, written and produced by me, Tommy Lee. It comes out every now and then, whether it needs to or not, here at Audio Boom and wherever you just found it. Item does not follow much of a regular schedule, so again, if you want to hear it, please subscribe to it. It does keep being different things, so hopefully you're still finding it interesting or at least entertaining. I'd appreciate it if you drop me a rating and a comment somewhere and spread the word if you've liked what you've heard. I would also like to invite you to check out my other podcast, The Archive, a work of original fiction, perfect for binge listening, and it recently wrapped up an adaptation of my second novel, Cher de Machère. With the exception of the last episode, they're all under, like, 20, 25 minutes. And as usual, thanks for listening. The item is part of the opt-in on-demand family of podcasts. You is what you am, a cow don't make hand. This has been Item with Tommy Lee. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.